Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Saturday, which means here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, we're still talking Steelers-Browns, and it's the accuracy fan advantage. We've got Irie Harris from Cleveland.com. He covers the Browns extremely well. Want to get Irie's perspective on what the Browns are seeing in the Steelers and dive more into this matchup that will break down on Monday night at accuracy Stadium. It's the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive podcast. A show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. As always, you can find our content at post-gazette.com. You can check out the written content there and you can listen to and watch this podcast either on your favorite podcasting apps or on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of your daily sports content on Pittsburgh sports here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Today's episode is part of the Accrisure. Fan Advantage brought to you by Acrisure. This year, the Fan Advantage brings you closer to the team than, than ever before, featuring exclusive answers to your burning questions from our Steelers insider, Brian Batko. That's on our Friday episode of the North Shore Drive podcast. And, of course, an in-depth conversation with an opponent's expert each week. Tune in the Acrisure Advantage at the end of each week or visit acrisure.com slash fanadvantage for more information to submit your questions today. Our expert here from cleveland.com is the man himself, Irie Harris, Irie, we're looking we're looking at you here because we're excited to, to, to talk Steelers Browns. The Browns looked extremely good in their uh, in their uh, in, in their matchup with the Bengals. They they want they limited Joe Burrow to less than a hundred yards passing, but. This is a defense that that's brand new with a new defensive coordinator. They're excited. Like Thomas talked a lot about a lot about them and their cornerbacks. What's the biggest thing you've heard from the Browns talking about the Steelers matchup this week? Thank you, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Regarding the Browns, Steve, is what from what I've heard, um, you know, within the play, the game plan and going up against the Steelers offense, stopping the run. And they understand that Kenny Pickett is quite the accurate passer. Uh, we saw the way that he killed them in the season finale last year. Once the Steelers, you know, steamrolled over them 28 to 14, the scene with ease. So it was really all about stopping the run and making sure that if anything, they can contain that run game. I feel if they do that and improve on that from the last game and week one, they'll be very good. Because if you notice, even though they dominated week one versus the Bengals, uh, the one area that I felt they could have done a bit better in was the run game. There are multiple times Joe Mixon was able to break out for a longer run. Had they contained that well, um, I feel that would have been a nearly flawless game. So it's more so improving and retooling on that, looking ahead to week two uh, against the Steelers. The Steelers really didn't get a chance to get their run game going in week one against against the San Francisco 49ers. Najee Harris, I believe, only even had uh, six carries in the game, getting up, getting about 25 yards or so or 31 yards, excuse me, uh, on that. Granted, he did have a 25 yard run that sparked their only touchdown drive 
of of the game. So that's certainly going to be a factor. Najee Harris has certainly burned the Browns before. That's definitely been something to watch out for. But the Steelers offensive line is also a big to- topic here because they've added Isaac Sayomalu from the Eagles. Uh, they've added they drafted Broderick Jones, but he has he didn't make a start in the first game. Chuk Sakor for the starting right tackle is has been limited in practice this week with a concussion. Though Mike Tomlin's confident that he'll play. Even so, they've made some new additions, but the Browns have also made new additions to their defensive front and Dalvin Tomlinson, Darius Smith at the on the edge along with Miles Garrett. What have you seen out of the Browns defensive front so far and how they've been able to build their reputation? They are building their reputation to the point where they could more than likely become the nightmare scenario for any quarterback in the league to have to go up against. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a quarterback Joe Burrow was to wake up tonight in cold sweat just from thinking, <laughs> just, just from having to go up against that D line on uh, Sunday. I mean, they really fit the mold. Uh, outside of Miles Garrett, of course, I'm speaking about Dalvin Thompson, Shelby Harris. They really fit that mold that Jim Schwartz looks to, you know, large in frame, really have that mass intact and straight aggressive gas on the pedal at all times and as we know and see even if you didn't watch the full game if you saw the highlights you can definitely see they really did that on Sunday and they look forward to continuing to do so they really spoken largely in Jim Schwartz and being able to play with them his uh base defense saying that even Shelby Harris said a while back it's like a dream to play in this defense because you have more freedom in it so that's really what they've been aiming to do that's the interesting thing I think is, is really about this defense is Jim Schwartz, the way that he calls uh, a, a defense. He is extremely aggressive. He wants to bring heat. He wants to bring heat from all sides. He wants to make you guess where the heat is coming from. He, he, never do I see him just sit back and just make you say, oh, I'm just going to make you pick me apart uh, you know, and, and take your time. No, he's like, you got to make a decision and you got to make a decision fast. And it seems like the Browns have welcomed that mentality, though. Mike Tom pointed, pointed this out. He's like, look. Jim Schwartz isn't necessarily changing a whole lot for their defense. He's just more so amplifying the way that they wanted to play for the past couple of years. Exactly that. And it's something that uh, I actually thought about earlier because I felt that if they were to continue this play, maybe by some point halfway through the season, a lot of Browns fans are going to be thinking what was, you know, former defensive coordinator Joe Woods doing with this defense? Because it's still quite a bit of the same guys, even with the new additions. But yeah, he had them playing, you know, in that three, four defense in a different style. But you bring in Schwartz, and this is maybe the best, uh, this is the best way I see within comparison with the net going on to a different sport. The same way you say Schwartz likes to keep his foot on the metal, just keep on going, never stop. I compare it to the same way Rick Pitino would in college basketball. So mm. press up all all game up and down the court. They're in your face and they're going fast at you offensively too. So I really see it as all run, no breaks. I hear you on that. It's going to be a major factor in this game, as is the pass rush move, moving forward, uh, because the Browns, they want to get after the quarterback just the way the same way the Steelers get after the quarterback. You know, there's that con- con- consistent rivalry of Miles Garrett and TJ Watt back and forth. Miles Garrett uh, was able to have more sacks than TJ Watt last year. Uh, I think it was the first time since 2018 that that had been the case uh, in, in a single season. Um, so there's a lot that there's a lot to like about the, both of those players. 
I want to get to more of these matchups with Irie in a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But this is the Acrisure Fan Advantage. I want to remind you that with the Acrisure Fan Advantage, all season long, we'll be getting you answering your burning questions from Brian Batko, our Steelers insiders for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where you can get your questions on the show by, by visiting acrisure.com slash fan advantage to get more information on how to submit your questions. Also, to when you're tuning in every Friday, you can get you can see the show there, but you can also check out this show every Saturday where we have an in-depth conversation with an opponent's expert each week. This week, Irie Harris from Cleveland.com. We'll have more from Irie on what the Browns are looking into and their path to victory if they want to beat the Steelers, as well as my perspective on the Steelers. We'll do that on the other side of the break here of the North Shore Drive podcast. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Chris Carter from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Irie Harris from Cleveland.com. Irie, I want to ask you, what is the path to victory that the Browns, if if they are to pave a path, if they're to play a game their way, what is the biggest thing that they have to establish in this game? It's a good question. Well, I would say the biggest thing overall, offense, defense, special teams, the biggest thing they would have to uh, really establish is that even if you stop the run game, Deshaun Watson is still going to be able to kill you somehow, you know, because mm. because he's just such a great and one of the most dangerous players, if not the most dangerous offensively in this unit. I mean, you saw the way on Sunday, even during times where he was six for 14 in the second quarter, a lot of un- underthrown passes, he was still able to attract so much, not just because of the fact that his, you know, his name is next to position quarterback, but because of how he brings and is able to create things on the fly. So I feel if they're able to establish that, they can do well because we all know the way Nick Chubb killed the Bengals in week one, that's what Mike Thomas is really looking at containing. We know that's what Mike Thomas is really looking at cutting down saying look Chubb gets nowhere not a single yard probably doing his best Denzel impression just like and remember the tight ends and so it's going to be on Watson to be able to find another way to do so um, and I feel that will be very done well within two particular players David Njoku and Elijah Moore two key players that Watson can really establish that with and showing the Steelers in no way will they be able to stop him that night what were what was the biggest problem that you saw from Deshaun Watson in the opener. He was 16 of 29 for 154 yards, threw a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, also threw an interception on a tipped pass there. Uh, It looked like Deshaun wasn't at his best as far as they looked like sometimes he was abandoning the pocket a little bit early. And, you know, they ended up winning the game, so it didn't really mean he was fine as far as the winning aspect of it. But to me, we've I've seen Deshaun Watson play better football. I've seen, I saw him, you know, do some really elite things for the Texans over the over the years. And you know, when I saw the way he played last year for the Browns, granted, you know that he was just adapting to the team, didn't get to play half the season. Um, but even this year with the season opener, I, I have to say, I was like, that's not the Deshaun Watson that I remember like fearing if he was with the Houston Texans. What do you think has been going on with him so far? Honestly, I think it's uh, still with. Personally, I think it's still within getting the mindset of no matter how much practice you have, offseason training camp, getting adjusted in terms of new weapons, it's still about that mindset of really playing that full season. Because when you're playing a full season, you don't have to worry about working off any rust. But instead, Watson, you know, last full season 2020, he misses off 2021. He 
all of a sudden is playing six games last season and then taking a longer break once again. So I think it's just all about finding that flow to where he doesn't have to force much. If you watch that game in the first half is when he was really forcing a lot of passes. And that's why someone would be underthrown. Now, of course, it was misty out there, rainy, you know, a bit wet on the field, but you really saw him more at calm, more at ease within the second half, primarily even within the last quarter, the quarter where the Browns scored 11 unanswered points and he completed all four passes for 32 yards, which included a passing touchdown. So it's all about not forcing anything and staying at ease. And that's really when he's at his best. You can tell sometimes, right, whenever he's playing out there where he's just thinking too much. I feel you. You could definitely see that when you, when he when he plays sometimes. But one thing he's going to have to think about at least a little bit is the replacement at right tackle right now. Jack Conklin, the starting right tackle, went down for the season with an injury, and that puts rookie fourth-round pick Dewan Jones, a.k.a. Big Thanos, out there at right tackle, and he's going to have to line up against T.J. Watt, a huge matchup for the Browns. The last time T.J. Watt went against the Cleveland Brown rookie, he had four sacks, and last weekend against the San Francisco 49ers, he had three. Uh, what do you think the Browns' confidence is in DeWan Jones to handle that situation, and what are the different ways they're going to try to help him to protect Deshaun Watson? Because you do not want T.J. Watt living in your backfield. The Browns have seen that nightmare plenty enough over the past six, seven years. It's a good question. It's funny because he did speak today in a couple of reports. I mentioned how rare it is for a Browns rookie to all of a sudden be up on the podium speaking to us, but that just shows how well, you know, he really was prepared within week one. Now week one's over going on to week two, even with Cameron Hayward out, I do think Kevin Stavinsky will tend at at certain times during the game to maybe d- double coverage TJ Wall, primarily because the mindset, at least the Browns fans is, all you have to do is contain Watt from even getting past or even close to Watson, and you'll be fine. But I'll tell you what, Jones really seemed prepared. Uh, and, I mean, even Joe Thomas said he, he kind of was starting to play like a veteran within his week one performance. You could tell his hands playman was right exactly where it should be. His footwork was was quite good, actually, especially for a rookie out there in that weather. I think that he's watching a lot of film every now as we speak, but will be prepared and know that if needed, he has help on the side of him to contain Watt from getting close to Watson. Yeah, I, I agree. There's something there. One thing I noted uh, that he was talking about was how TJ Watt approaches things. He's like, I want to get inside his chest. And listen, Dewan Jones is huge. He's what, 6'8", 375. He's got a huge frame. It's why everyone was looking at him. I think one of the reasons he fell down in the in the, uh, in the the draft, in his draft value, was just people saw his injury. He didn't finish the senior bowl practice. And then people are just a little worried. Like, is he too big for his own good? Uh, but the Browns don't see it that way. They think that he's, that he's doing pretty well. And when I looked at the All-22, he helped his own when he was called when he was called upon i think he went up against trey hendrickson who was a pretty good edge rusher himself and was able to stone him a few times so that's something that they might rely on i just think that if you're the browns you're there's no way you're going to rely on him to just win consistently against tj watt you need to you need to make sure david and joku nick chubb whoever's out there is helping at least chip Watt, maybe even a, a, a second offensive lineman focus on him while you try to limit the steelers elsewhere um because also alex highsmith the other edge rusher for the steelers he's gotten the best of jedrick wells before and that's going to be a, a huge factor in the in the Browns' pass protection as well. I, I think that's the big thing here. You're talking about 
you know, the best path to win as far as far as Deshaun Watson getting on that level, even if the, the run game is, is taken away. I think the Steelers' best counter move to that is to get after the quarterback. Granted, they're missing Cam Hayward, which is a huge part of it. He had 10 and a half sacks last year, but Alex Highsmith had 14 and a half last year. TJ Watt was hurt last year, but now he's fully healthy. Already has three in one game against the Niners. Uh, and there you have young guys they're very excited about, like the Marvin Leal at defensive line, Keanu Benton at defensive line, and guys that they're they're excited to bring about there. What do you think that the Browns' pass protection has looked like that might make it better than last year, where at the end of last season they gave up seven sacks when they were protecting Deshaun Watson? You know, it, it is funny you also say that because it is something I had mentioned to Deshaun earlier. Uh, thing, you know, saying, hey, that's a quite the high number. I'm sure that's been ringing in the minds of you and your offensive lineman peers. And uh, he had said, yeah, it, I mean, it was really about four sacks and maybe three within the last couple of minutes. Pretty much saying it was pretty much towards the end of the game when it was decided where they got a couple more sacks. Still the fact, even at four or seven, that's quite the high number. Uh I really do think that that's the uh, the thing that's really been ringing in the minds of the Browns around the facility and improving their protection and making sure there are nobody, nobody that will get past. Regarding what I think looks better compared to last year is the addition of DeWan Jones gives them another person at size. And on top of that, when you add in Ethan Poshitz, who, if you remember, towards the end of last season, he suffered that injury and uh, in the week before Thanksgiving versus Buffalo. And you could tell that the offensive line was quite shaky. They started to give him a bit more pressure, more sacks. When it so happened, Deshaun was playing. But with him now fully back as center, one of the best centers in the league last season, fully healthy and ready to play, I think he will play a big, big part in uh, protecting Watson. It's going to be night and day, I think, from when he played last year. Night and day is a huge thing that the Browns need if they're going to protect Deshaun Watson. Uh, they struggled at the end of last season, and that's what what helped them fall down to last place of the AFC North. But they have a chance to be in first place after this week if they win for the first time. Irie, if they win this game, it will be the first time since 1993 that they've started a season 2-0. and That's when Bill Belichick was their coach. If they win this game, it'll be the first regular season game they've won in Pittsburgh since 1992. And if they win this game, they will break what I believe is a 20-year streak for, for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers where Mike Tomlin has, has, has won. Well, not Mike, this is Mike Tomlin, Bill Cowher as well. The Steelers have not lost on Monday Night Football at home in the past 20 years. That is a ridiculous streak. That, that is, uh, There's a lot of history into that. I want to talk about Irie's prediction on the other side of this break here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Remember, this is brought to you by the Accurate for Fan Advantage all season long. We're getting you closer than ever before with your Pittsburgh Steelers here in Pittsburgh as we get burning questions for you and answer them on the Friday episode of the North Shore Drive podcast. Then we talk to experts and insiders on their opponents each week, like Irie Harris of Cleveland.com, breaking things down before the Steelers matchup, Steelers-Browns, Monday Night Football. We'll talk more and get our predictions here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. We'll be right back. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, I'm Chris Carter here, joined by Irie Harris of Cleveland.com. Irie, I want to talk to you about the biggest turning point in this game that you see coming forward. We're going to give our predictions in here in a minute, but before you give your final score prediction, what do you think is the big turning point, the thing that happens in the game that kind of flips it on a hand and gives the team that you see going to win their momentum? 
I would say the big turning point would be the amount of times uh, and pressure that Kenny Pickett has to face. Mm. If, if, if it's going to be too many, if there's only a couple of times early on in the game, of course, that will give time for your, you know, Steelers offensive line to retool everything, make sure they can still find a way to contain Miles Garrett and company. But if it's too many times where the offensive line breaks down, if it's too many times where Kenny Pickett is nearly being touched of not sacked exactly and having to throw away the ball, pretty much a replicate with the performers such as Joe Burrow did in week one, I think that will be the turning point because then it would be at that point where the Steelers offensive line is thinking, what else can we do to contain these guys? No, I, I hear you on that. Um, Irie, I, I think if I'm looking at a turning point, it's similar to what I was mentioning before. If the Steelers, I really think that if the Browns are able to run the football the way they want to in this game, it changes everything. And, and I and originally I had the Browns slated to win this game a little bit going away once I saw the way the Steelers play played the Niners. But the loss of Jack Conklin, I know that Dewan Jones had a really good week one game, but TJ Watt is to me the best edge rusher in football, maybe the best defender in football. When he Definitely. plays, the, the, the Steelers win 69% of the time. When he doesn't play, they win 9% of the time. That is how that is the big difference of when he isn't isn't on the field. He's now there. He's fully healthy. He's playing as well as he does in his career. And I think that against DeJuan Jones, you're going to see that same pressure being brought from all sides from the Steelers, but especially from there. I think that the Browns, they try to overcompensate there, and that leads to things. And this is where I think it could be very, interesting is if like like last year Nick Chubb and the Browns he averaged over six yards per carry against the Steelers in that week's and week 18 matchup at the, at the regular season finale but it didn't matter because the Steelers got a lead and they were able to put pressure on Deshaun Watson to keep putting him behind the sticks and Nick Chubb's rushing yards didn't end up meaning a whole lot in that game that's where I think is going to be the big difference here. Can the Steelers keep the Bengal, excuse me, the Browns offense off schedule enough so that the run game can't be a factor on second and shorts, on third and shorts, and it's going to force Deshaun Watson to take five-step drops, not three-step drops, and have to hold on to the ball, read progressions, and let the Steelers' pass rush actually get to work. That's something that really didn't happen against the Niners last week with Brock Purdy, and even when it didn't happen, T.J. Watt still got three sacks then. That's where I see it being a big determining factor. But Irie, Give us your final score prediction for, for how this game plays out and what you see being the, the deciding factor. I know that there were uh, lopsided uh, results on both of our ends. I covered a blowout win. You covered a blowout loss. Mm-hmm. But even with that being said, I am not one to just underestimate Mike Tomlin. That is still a man that will outcoach you if you allow him to, and you're not on your A game. I still do have the Browns winning, but I think it will not be by as large a margin compared to the Bengals. My final score prediction at the moment is 21 to 10 Browns. I think it starts off a bit slower, but I think similar to week one, uh, the Browns will somehow find flow and carry away in the second half. I hear you on that. I'm going to go with a similar winning score as far as the top team. I'm going to say 21, but I'm going to say 18. I'm going to pick the Steelers here, and this is particularly why. I think the Steelers, they're going to be able to establish establish this pass rush. Uh, this is going to be an ugly game. Like This is going to be a game It's going to feel like old-school AFC North football, real physical, people punching each other in the mouth. There'll be some fights, some scraps during this game. Both quarterbacks are going to commit turnovers, but I think the deciding factor is that the Steelers are going to be able to find a way to get Najee Harris going and to be able to protect 
protect Kenny Pickett just enough, while the Browns, I think, are going to be scrambling to try to protect Deshaun Watson like they were last year. That ends up causing one too many turnovers. The Steelers capitalize on it. They're able to get a a lead, and then the Browns, they'll be able to make it close. It'll come down to the wire. I think it'll be a, 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 a game where Deshaun Watson's trying to drive down the field at the last minute to tie it up. But I think that that's, again, where the Steelers pin their ears back, their pass rush gets active, and that's what allows them to to survive week two. And then if if my predictions hold true with that, and I also think the Bengals might stand a good chance uh, this this weekend, we could be looking at a complete 1-1 AFC North across the board with the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Steelers both winning and losing a game. But before that happens, this, this showdown has to go down on Monday Night Football. Irie. Thank you so much for joining us here in the Accresure Fan Advantage from the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate being here. Uh, I know, as you can probably tell, it's my oldest time for my name and the term expert. And, <laughs> and so I'm going to make sure I, I, I go out for that feeling. But, uh, yeah, thank you. Again, people, uh, you can catch me on Twitter. Uh, it's at my first name, I-R-I-E. Two underscores, so Irie underscore underscore Harris, and uh, you can find my work there on Cleveland.com. Um, Irie Harris, and uh, yeah, thank you for reading. Thank you for for joining us here on the Accrisure Fan Advantage. Irie, we'll have you back when these two teams meet up before they head to Cleveland later this season. I'm your host Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, post-gazette.com, and check out this show, the North Shore Drive Podcast, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and now Saturdays with the Accrisure Fan Advantage, talking to, to to opposing experts each week about the Steelers matchup. Each week, next week, we got Deshaun Reed from the Athletic breaking down the Raiders. That'll be exciting as well. But before any of that, tune back into the Post Gazette. We're gonna have a Monday. Monday morning show with Ray Fittipato, getting you ready for the final storylines and what we saw from the Steelers at practice over the weekend and what you need to know for Monday Night Football when the Steelers take on the Browns. And then, of course, post-game shows, reactions, and all the analysis you can get from all of our Steelers writers at post-gazette.com. Thanks again to Ari. Thanks again to you all. We'll see you again Monday here on the North Shore Drive Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For three months of digital access to post-gazette.com at 99 cents, click the link below in the description. 